Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Thank you so much to Kula for sponsoring today's episode. As I have talked about on this podcast a couple of times, I had skin cancer last summer, or I'd had it for longer than that, but I discovered it last summer and it was totally fine. My dermatologist described it as the best kind of cancer you can have if you're going to have cancer, but it was scary. And it, what you love to hear. Yeah, it's, just, the, it's the good cancer. If you're going to get cancer, it's the kind to have, but, and yeah. everything was fine and I got it removed, but it was certainly a ordeal. Um, and it was scary. And it means I'm at higher risk for skin cancer moving forward. I have to get checked out regularly now. So I am crazier than ever before about just wearing SPF, even when I'm not leaving the house. And I have been so excited to discover Kula's award-winning sun silk drops that are truly incredible. It's broad spectrum SPF 30 protection. It is just like the lightest, thinnest serum that goes on and absorbs so nicely. Like I never feel like it's sitting on top of my skin. I never feel like I'm going to sweat it right off. I feel like it like gets right into my skin and I'm just so into it and so psyched about it. And I have personally used this upcoming coupon code multiple times to stock up on, on the coolest sun silk drops. I mean, look at that. If you are looking for even more than sun protection, Kula just launched a new organic skincare line that supports your skin's natural barrier. Kula's organic skincare line is your skin's first line of protection, keeping moisture and nutrients in and modern day environmental and digital stressors out. Kula's new Great Barrier Cream Fortifying Moisturizer harnesses the healing power of the sea sounds fancy, with organic ingredients like sea kelp and blue algae to boost hydration and help strengthen your skin's natural barrier. And their new Vital Rush Skin Renewal Serum revitalizes stressed skin with an organic blend of plant power ingredients, combining the amazing properties of goji berry with the vitamin-rich kamu kamu extract. These concentrated nutrients help renew fatigued skin, and our skin is as fatigued as we are. Want to give your skin what it's really craving? Check out the new Kula Organic Skincare on Kula.com. They'll even give you 10% off your first order with the code a thing or two. That's 10% off with the code a thing or two at Kula.com. Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review, or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. Friends, the answer is yes. 
Um, our secret menu membership program is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two hq.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two hq.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Erica, we have such great sponsors this week. Oh my gosh, we do. We were both snacking on some lesser evil right before we started recording. We have Right Wellness and Anna Luisa um, all sponsoring today's episode. And we will get into more of that later. But first, a grab bag? A grab bag. A genuine grab bag, Just right? a bunch of stuff we felt like talking about. And we're <laughs> going to force you all to listen, I guess. Some real pressing topics. Yeah. Um, should we start with After Dark? Let's. Speaking of pressing. This is one that I feel like you came to a Monday morning meeting with bursting at the seams to discuss. (laughs) Well, I feel like I just, you know, after dark, um, for those of you who haven't thought about it in a minute, the screensaver brand uh, Mm -hmm. of the the 90s. Screensaver brand. (laughs) Well, it's also a program. Well, I was trying to think of if if it was pre-installed on like soft. Yeah, I guess it's software. And I was trying to remember basically why we needed screensavers then in a way that we don't really now. And the very basic technological uh, component of this is that before we had all had these like fancy flat screen LCD computer monitors, we had cathode, we had CRT monitors, which when an image was on them for a long time, like a menu bar or mm-hmm. whatever, it could burn into the screen. So there'd be like a shadow. Um, I see. And it would, they'd call it like tattooing a shadow. Mm, so you had to get the screensaver going. Why couldn't you just put the screen to sleep like we do now? I, I think it wasn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if computers were there yet or maybe wanted to make it clear that it was on, not just like mm. rest, like not off. I don't know, Claire. I took a look at these After Dark and obviously I remembered the iconic flying toasters and there were like a couple others, like the rain motif um, yes, that I remembered, yes. but there were a lot. That remember I- the starry night, like the... The Skyline one. I feel like you oh, would if yeah. you saw it. Yeah, kind yeah. of. There were a lot on there I didn't remember. And they struck me as like a precursor to the meme in general. I was like, oh, this feels very meme Because there were like Mortal Kombat themed ones. Oh, there were like Looney Tunes. There was a lot of like licensing going yeah. on in general. There's a video I surfaced that is 281 After Dark modules. That's what they were called, modules. Mm. All edited together that we'll link to. The quality is also worse than I remember them being, which like, of course it is because my mind wouldn't be able to remember what, what pixelated graphics looked like in 1994. And back then it didn't seem pixelated. Exactly. Exactly. Like I don't have the processing capacity to like revert to that moment in time. Did you find out why they called it After Dark? 
No, um, I did not. Get, there was like just much less history of, or like the, I thought, I thought I was going to surface the oral history of After Dark in my Googling mm-hmm. and I did not. Yeah. Um, and that shocked me a little bit. What I was able to surface, God bless, was something I was very interested in. So I'll give you like the context of how I got into this rabbit hole to begin with. Mm-hmm. Thomas and I were talking about something and I think I described a cat as looking like the cat Boris from After Dark. Um, mm-hmm. And do you remember this cat? He was a little gray cat. He chased a butterfly. He was kind of like- Oh, yes. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chasing the, the butterfly. butterfly yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. He was kind of like the antidote to bad dog, which was another one of these, which was the dog who was like digging all over the screen. Okay. And like burying shit. So there was like a nice cat and a bad dog. Okay. Boris was the cat. Thomas looked at me like, he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, like, you know, after dark, yeah. the flying toasters, the screen yeah. saver, yeah. nothing. And it was one of those things that happens, especially with him sometimes where I'm like, this is like such a quintessential pop culture reference that I'm mm-hmm. like sort of surprised you don't get. And in order to explain to you wh- how it's so quintessential, I'm going to draw out a more obscure reference for yeah. you. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, well, on Beverly Hills 90210, there was a nightclub called Peach Pit After Dark that like I'm 90% sure was related to the screensaver. And I, when you were telling me this, I was like, absolutely not. Like, no way. After Dark is just a term that means like sexy, basically. Totally. And then I had this, I had that thought of being like, am I just like, is it just that they're both these like early 90s things that in my head, I'm like, they must be related. They both had After Dark in them. My brain never once went there. Steve Sanders' sexy business idea and the other was a screensaver. Well, Claire. Yeah. Turns out it was like (laughs) Peach Pit After Dark was in fact After Dark themed. The like, the the, like After Dark on the outside of the bar was in the same font and there was a flying toaster above the the awning. Early brand partnership, early experiential marketing. Potentially, but it's unclear if they ever licensed the flying toaster or the word from After Dark. I found some Twitter threads that are like a a little too up in arms about that component of it. What did people say? Well, just that like, if they didn't, it was totally fucked. And like, you know, how could they not have? Um, Mm -hmm. There was some Y Combinator blog post about how the fact that Peach Pit After Dark was in fact an After Dark themed bar was like, one of the first instances of computer culture mm-hmm. being like co-opted by like actual pop culture or okay. just like, yeah. Um, this was there was, there was real discovery dis- that you made. I just never would have guessed. <laughs> I never would have guessed that the two were related at all. I think I remember, because the other description I found was that there was a disco ball or like some like light feature at the club mm-hmm. that projected flying toasters on the walls. And that Mm. was like, in my mind, I was like, yeah, like I can see that. Wow. Um, Like I can see Tiffany Amber Thiessen at that thing with a flying toaster behind her. Truly incredible. Truly incredible rabbit hole. The one other thing that I wanted, no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Two other things that I wanted to share on this front. Speaking of like licensing and brand Mm -hmm. stuff, According to Britannica in 1994, the band Jefferson Airplane claimed that the, the flying toaster was copied from their 1973 album cover for 30 seconds of Winterland. And they had just like it basically the answer is probably it was, mm-hmm. but they hadn't registered the trademark early enough. So they were SOL. SOL, completely SOL. And then I felt incredibly validated because one of my favorite Twitter follows, Gabe De La Haye, who's a TV writer and comedian, 
in LA posted just recently, and I obviously sent you this like as soon as I saw Mm -hmm. it. We as a society have gone backwards in screensaver technology. Flying toasters was so much better than the swirly EDM crap. Thank you. Thank you. No, totally. Bring back the flying toasters. It does feel like it's time for there to be some Chrome add-on that would allow you to have, you know, put your tabs to sleep with After Dark or something like that. Great business idea. Thank you. It does seem like a business, doesn't it? 2022, (laughs) you can call that a business. A free browser add-on. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much to Anna Luisa for sponsoring today's episode. Well, we are so excited to be partnering with Anna Luisa, not least because the first time we heard about them was from one of our old employees, like way back early of a kind employee who... OG, OG. OG, who was uh, asked if we would be a reference for her because she was getting a job at Anna Luisa. And she was so excited to be working there. She was like, I just feel like you guys would really like it. It's a work-wife business. It just feels like a good culture and they really care about their employees and they really care about the work they're doing. And we were so excited to hear about it. It's also a sustainability focused business, which is super interesting, especially when it comes to jewelry, which I just think gets a lot less attention in that way. Agreed. Um, Agreed. At least in my mind. I don't know. Well, the other thing that's really interesting is that it's a sustainable, like it's a business that really prioritizes sustainability and transparent business practices. And, but their prices start at $39, which is so rare. And like, as you've heard us talk about before, there's always been this tension for us of really wanting to prioritize businesses that are thinking about sustainability, that are thinking about like better pieces and just better business practices and all of that, while also honoring the fact that our audience is always asking us for things that are in price ranges that are more accessible and that like that might be a little less expensive. Yes, exactly. And these prices start at $39, which I think is really rare for uh, jewelry companies that are prioritizing these types of business practices. So if you want to just dive right in and see what Anna Luisa is up to, we should just tell you right up front that Anna Luisa is offering our listeners 10% off all of their products when you use the code a thing or two at analuisa.com slash a thing or two. That's A-N-A-L-U-S-A. U-I-S-A slash a thing or two with the code a thing or two for 10% off. Anna Luisa is a jewelry company that is founded to bring clarity to the jewelry industry. Their designs start with recycled materials whenever possible, and they work in small batches to ensure the highest production standards and eliminate excessive waste and prioritize transparent business practices. They're carbon neutral, which means they offset 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials all the way down to the disposal of pieces. They do all of this without sacrificing quality and durability and they offer a 365-day warranty on all of their pieces. Anna Luisa is offering our listeners 10% off all their products when you use the code a thing or two at analuisa.com slash a thing or two. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com slash a thing or two with the code a thing or two for 10% off. Thank you so much to Right Wellness Company for sponsoring today's show. Okay, so Right Wellness Company makes an all-new natural CBN remedy for sleep, pain, and anxiety. And Erica, I think we need to get hip to CBN because it's definitely the next big thing. It's similar to CBD, but it is not CBD. It is, And also- it is a, a close enough acronym that I think we can learn quickly. Yeah, I think I we're going to get the hang of it. It <laughs> is. So it's a non-psychoactive ingredient from the hemp plan. It also, it like helps with fatigue. It helps with sleep, with stress, anxiety, all of these things. Ooh. So this comes in a tincture form, which I cannot wait to try. In addition to the CBN, it has vitamin E oil and MCT oil, which I don't know. I just keep hearing from everybody that this is the thing 
I should be having is MCT. So I'm it's excited. It's like brain juice, brain juice stuff. Yeah, I, hear, I think I hear. so. I just feel like this last year has been very stressful. Mm, somehow you don't things, say. <laughs> somehow things continue to be stressful. We're all looking for solutions. I think that this is going to be a solution for how I address at least part of my stress. So I'm I'm excited for it. This makes sense. This makes sense. Whatever your situation is, Right Wellness can help you find the relief you're looking for thanks to their all-new tincture that uses the latest transformative hemp ingredient, CBN. CBN is a powerful, non-intoxicating hemp-derived compound with benefits around reducing stress, sleeping better, and managing aches and pains. This all-natural ingredient is similar to CBD, but a lot more effective. Right Wellness wants to help you get the relief you deserve. Save 20% for being a listener of the show. Simply go to rightwellness.co. That's rightwellness.co and use the promo code right for you. Try it risk-free. If you're not fully satisfied in the first 30 days, they'll give you a full refund. Go to rightwellness.co and use the promo code right for you. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV, and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Claire, something that you have been aching to talk about for years? For years. And frankly, I've been rebuffed time and again. Um, Not on this podcast. You've been rebuffed in other formats. Yeah, that's right. I mean, (laughs) it's true. I probably haven't pitched it as a podcast theme. But I did. I finally got it through editorial approval by packaging Mm. it with a number of other items Sometimes it's all in the packaging. My pitch here was that there are just like some really basic tools that really make your life easier that are underappreciated. One of which is the box cutter. I got a proper box cutter, I want to say around like 2016, 2017. It's changed my life. It feels like you should have this date on the calendar. It does. It's like a real turning point in your life. Because it was pre-imposed my life. I just think that opening boxes with keys or scissors is not at all a good experience. It's a frustrating experience. We get so many boxes. It just drives me insane that not everybody has a box cutter. Everyone should have a box cutter, especially in 2022 when literally like 90% of- 2021. What did I say? 22. Well, in 2022, (laughs) we'll be continuing to get boxes. Okay. It's It's true. But I think you should pressure people to get one now and not wait a year. You know? Don't wait a year. Get one now. <laughs> You're, we're getting so many boxes. I don't even have that much to say on this, except that this is just one of those things where it's like, get the thing. It will change your life. You open boxes all the time, and this is the correct tool for it. And I think it's like everybody has a can opener because we open cans. Could you open it another way? Probably it would suck, but not everybody has a box cutter, and that doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Everybody should have a box cutter. This is the correct tool for the job. And that's it. That's my It piece. is called a box cutter. I mean, yeah. it is, it, it is like in its name. Its value is right there. I, what do you use? I like, well, I use a box cutter now. I also like was using a sharp letter opener um, mm. or scissors. I like the format of a letter open. You know, I like yeah. that the letter opener okay. has like a handle. Um, I yeah. appreciate that. And it's kind of like, it's not really a letter opener. I don't know, whatever. A scissor is not a proper tool for it. I, I agree, agree that it's, it's not good. I agree I that it's not good. I would almost rather do a key than a scissor. 
I think even offering the key as an option is no. But the scissor, you've got this errant spear, like basically aiming for your, the inside of your wrist. You're like looking to cut the inside of your wrist if you're using a scissor. Well, I think that I don't hold it that way. All right. I hold it like between the handles. I don't know. I can't picture it. I agree that, listen, I agree that the scissor is not the answer to the question. I agree that I think the key is an even worse answer to the question. And like having to go get your keys to open a box. Well, that's the thing. I always have my keys when I walk in the door with the boxes. That's how you end up with the key. I'm ready to move on. I don't think people need to hear anymore. I think I've made my case. I'm looking forward to the gratitude that's headed my yeah. way when all these people yeah, buy Yeah, this year cars. or next. Yeah, yeah. Both, both years. <laughs> okay, another one. I started, well, no, I've, I've basically been doing this since of a kind, but I keep a measuring tape in my pencil cup. And not like a big old like construction, what are those called? The like big metal ones. It's like, it's just a tailor's measuring tape, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah, like yeah. sometimes I have the tiny little like knitting and sewing ones that are very petite and come in like a little square sized case. And I use it so often, Erica. What do you use it for? One, shopping for clothes online. I used to yeah. just be lazy and be like, eh, I, I have no idea what my measurements are, but that seems right. It is so nice to just be like, oh, this is the actual measurement of this thing. And I can just, I don't have to get up or go anywhere. I can just pull out my measuring tape and measure myself and see if that's going to fit me, which is wonderful. I, I also just like have no sense of, of these things about myself. I, Anne Friedman spoke about this really eloquently on the G Thanks Just Bought It pod because she was also singing the praises of measuring tape. And she was like, it's actually really empowering to know your own measurements and to not have to wade through the very fucked up world of uh, like vanity sizing and just like not the non-universal size charts and like whatever nonsense. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And to just be like, this is the size of my body. And now I know whether or not this thing is going to fit me. I also think, especially if anybody is trying to get more into vintage shopping Mm. or like resale space, those sizes, you know, you really have to know. Yes. What like what length you're looking for, what waist or whatever. Um, You certainly can't trust like numbers on a tag. This is also relevant when you're buying, honestly, anything, like especially furniture, especially just like any random objects. You remember when I bought those vintage ceramic pears and I thought they were going to be pear-sized and then they were all like the size of my size of larger. My yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I just have no sense of like what 20 centimeters looks like. I just don't know. I need to have this measuring tape by my side at all times. And then shipping packages online, like I, which I, you know, doing so much more often now and sending gifts to friends and stuff. And UPS always is begging me to know what is the size of the package? We're not going to let you ship this thing unless you tell me. And it's so annoying. And this is already an incredibly daunting task. You have to just have the measuring tape ready to go. So this is my pitch. Change your life, get a box cutter and put a measuring tape in your pencil cup. I have a measuring tape around. It is not in my pencil cup, but that is a good place for it. I also, I'm always shocked by how much USPS expects us to know about the thing we're mailing. So much. Like I just, I think the bar is too high. Well, you know, I will segue you neatly into your next rec, which is a kitchen scale is absolutely necessary if you're going to be shipping via USPS or UPS or anything. They want to know how much the thing weighs. There's so much much involved in shipping a thing on your own. You really have to have like, it's like the equivalent of like a, a hotel business center. You have yes. to like have in a, your home a printer, to like measure away. Like, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. all of it. I just, I feel like this shouldn't all be expected of us. No, it's a lot. 
But that's why for a hot minute, there were those amazing VC-backed startups called like Ship with a Y that would just do it all for you. And then they figured out that it was impossible to do that in a cost-effective way, duh. And the VCs were like, oh, we can't bankroll money losing businesses forever. And so they shut them down. But it was nice for a moment to live that VC-backed lifestyle and not have to it really was. your own packages. <sighs> that was a dream. What you did, you like took a picture of thing and they sent somebody to pack it up. Basically, <laughs> like took a picture of a thing. Maybe you told him where it was going or maybe they, you could just like speak it into existence. It was truly like magic. Yes, they would just come pick it up and do the whole thing for you. And it was incredible. Yeah. And it was a seamless app. It was awesome. I do feel <laughs> like someone shipping you a package is the ultimate display of love at this point because it requires so much work, especially if you don't live somewhere where you can just pop into mailboxes, et cetera. Love mailboxes, et cetera. Listen, I, I do think it's like the act of someone writing, like printing a label where you can tell that they sent it to you. That's the real thought that counts. I agree completely. It's huge. Okay, so kitchen scale. Yeah. Incredibly useful, yes. obviously, for shipping all these packages. I didn't get one for a really long time because it felt like just another thing to store and they all felt just like a little too big or annoying or yep. whatever. And then I have this one um, that I've talked about before called the Joseph Joseph Tri-Scale, which basically is a little like tripod. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a little a- like three-armed thing mm-hmm. that all collapses. So it's just small. It's yeah. small. Yeah. And that makes a really big difference. I don't feel like as annoyed by it. I also feel like for years people, especially British cookbook authors, have been trying to convince me that I needed a kitchen scale for baking and that this would be a better experience. And it felt very daunting. And I also feel like no one sold me on the part of it that is actually appealing to me, Mm -hmm. which is you dirty less dishes when you do this. Mm -hmm. Because you set a bowl on a scale, you dump this flour in, you dump this sugar in, and you either do the math to be like, okay, 150 grams. And then I need an, you know, another 100 grams. So I'm looking for it to hit 250. Or you just tear it between yeah. every edition. And you're not like using measuring cups and tablespoons and this, that, and the other. It's wonderful. But I guess if you're going to just keep dumping it in the same bowl, you have to be really precise. Yes. You, you do have to be paying attention yeah. and you can't be like, just you have to be some, like slow yeah. and delicate yes. about it. Yes, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. But I also like, I feel like that's the only way I can get into baking anyway, because otherwise I'm, it's like flour everywhere. Oh yeah. And that part of baking is just really not fun. Yet me. another reason why I don't bake. Yeah, totally. I don't bake, but I do have a dough scraper and I would like to endorse the dough scraper strongly. I have never used it to scrape dough. I don't even really understand what its actual use is. Something, something to do with scraping dough but I don't bake, but this thing is truly incredible. So what it is, is it's it's just a flat metal surface with a handle basically. And it's incredible for scooping up chopped anything like onions, herbs, you know, when you have chopped up a bunch of things oh, on your like cutting board. scooping, yes. not just like sh- scraping. I see. I yeah, see. Yeah. I yeah see, sorry. See. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it, it solves for that thing that people have tried to solve for before with cutting boards that then like fold in on themselves, which I have never uh-huh. approved of as a as a kitchen tool. I just don't think no. it really works. What it does, it be, so you can scoop all of your chopped things on this flat metal surface and then drop them into the bowl or the pan or whatever it is, which I was normally just doing by trying to use both my hands and making a mess. 
It is also interesting. People also try to use a knife, which is yes. just oh, is not I, enough surface area. And so, yeah, you're, 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 it's a real balancing act. I often use a knife and yes, not, yeah. not the correct tool for it. Also incredible for cleaning off countertops at the end of the night. And especially if you have like herbs on your countertop, which, you know, just like get stuck Ugh. and it's impossible to get off the countertop. This One of the many things I don't like about herbs. <laughs> One of the many. <laughs> it's just so incredibly useful for every stage of cooking. I use it almost every night now to the point where if it's dirty, I get so upset. So now, despite only having had one for six months, I bought a second one because I was like, now I can no longer live without this thing. It's amazing. I mean, that's on brand for you. Yeah. It doesn't scratch your counters or you don't worry about it scratching your counters? No, because it's like, it's not sharp. Like it couldn't really, it could cut dough, I'm sure, like okay. raw yeah, dough, yeah, yeah, but right. it, it, it's not super sharp. And the second one I got has been a little bit sharper, but it's like the thing that they use to clean off your table, your tablecloth at the end of the night at a restaurant. Not the one that's like a- Not the brush. Roller. Yeah, not yeah, the brush, yeah, yeah. but like the the sharper tool. But yeah, it doesn't, yeah, okay. it doesn't scrape anything. But it is- to me now, one of the most useful kitchen tools I can think of. I don't know how I used to get chopped up onions or herbs into the bowl. I don't know. I guess just mess up. We won't go back to that time. No. We don't need to, you know, that's the past. That's right. Thank you so much to Lesser Evil for sponsoring today's episode. Erica, this will come as no surprise to you, but Cam is a snack fluencer in training. Oh my gosh. This is my hope for him. My big goal for him for 2021. Snack well, fluencing. Once you get teeth, you know, you're in. <laughs> I had my concerns because he has entered the phase of toddlerdom where he is a just wildly picky eater. Just mm. truly impossible. But there are two lesser evil products that are actually core to our getting him to eat strategy. Because part of the getting him to eat strategy is putting a ton of stuff on his plate, one of which is like either sweet or just considered a treat because he has to start eating the treat first and then sort of like get to wet his palate. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. I'm okay. fully not above starting with dessert. And he loves the little mini cookies from Lesser Evil, which are made with, they're like no grains. It's almond butter. There's, you know, all the good stuff in it, basically, as Lesser Evil does. And they're teeny tiny. They're called mini cookies for a reason. They're teeny tiny. And it makes me feel very like, yes, sure. Eat this tiny little cookie. And if that's how you need to start your dinner, I'm fine with that. Um, And he loves them. It also takes him so long to eat them. I'm like, what are you doing? This is like <laughs> the size of a quarter. He is also super into the Himalayan salt power curls, which I have to be honest, they're not of the of the power curls. Like, I, I'm never going to go for the Himalayan salt. I want the like... Oh, because you and I want like intense flavor, like bursts. Exactly. Um, and apparently Cam has a more sort of gentle palate. That's right. Well, and so, you know, Lesser Evil sent us all these flavors. And so the Himalayan salt has been sort of like the last man standing. And I was thrilled to discover that Cam will just wolf down these things because I was like, great, they're all yours then. So um, they also have these things that we have not tried that are called Lil Puffs, which are made specifically for toddlers. They're like all veggie and they're soft and good for their palates and good for their little mouths and stuff. So we're officially a lesser evil family over here, I'd say. Oh my gosh, I'm so into it. Well, you all know, as much as we love snacks, they do tend to lend themselves to sort of mindlessness, like what's quick, what's easy, what can I eat with one hand and no utensils while doing something else. But Lesser Evil is on a mission to inspire mindful snacking by making healthier, less processed, earth-friendly snacking accessible to everyone. 
They believe that ingredients mean everything and less is more. So they partner with organic farms and thoroughly vetted vendors across the world to get the cleanest, highest quality ingredients possible. Their premium ingredients are minimally processed to make super clean, super tasty snacks. And Lesser Evil wants to be the most sustainable snack company on the planet from the farm to the factory. They own their own facilities in Danbury, Connecticut, and participate in statewide energy efficiency initiatives. They package their snacks in biodegradable NEO plastic and compost almost all of their waste. You can't see through their packaging, but you can see through their process. All of Lesser Evil snacks are USDA organic, non-GMO, project verified, certified grain-free, and low in sugar, even those mini cookies. And with plenty of vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly options, they work with better ingredients for greener processes. Lesser Evil is committed to taking every small step possible to create a more ethical future of food. Through simple acts and clean snacks, Lesser Evil hopes to make the world a little more good. You can find Lesser Evil in regional grocery stores nationwide and nationally at Whole Foods Market. But for the full array of their products, and you know we like the full array, including pantry items and merch, visit their online shop at lesserevil.com. Lesser Evil is offering an exclusive deal to podcast listeners. Take 25% off your first one-time order with the code a thing or two. That's 25% off your first one-time order with the code a thing or two at lesserevil.com. One of the kitchen tools I've been so excited about over the last couple of months that again, is one of those things where I'm like, I don't really know why I didn't have one of these before is the kitchen spider. Mm-hmm. I don't have is, one. I know what Claire, it is, I, but I, I don't enthusiastically have one. endorse. It's yeah. like, you know, basically a like, tiny little colander at the end of a handle. Yeah. And that's how I treat it. Like colanders and slotted spoons are all useful in their own ways. But this is like that in-between thing where it's like, I'm trying to pull a vegetable out of boiling water, but I want to leave something else in. Or I am just like putting pasta straight into the sauce and it's already calling for like pasta water. Mm-hmm. So my answer is like, great, I'm just going to not drain this well. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> Smart. I just like hate pouring the whole, you know, pot of water over the sink. It oh just God, feels that's like it's awful. not an answer no. to a question. No, um, if it calls for pasta water, I just put a little pasta water in a measuring cup. Like I take, I scoop out some into a measuring cup and then drain the me rest too. of the thing. Me too, yeah. me too, me too. But this is better. Yeah. This is just like a more, yeah, this is like a better process. I also feel like I've been making a couple recipes lately where multiple things need to be blanched or, or boiled or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but for different like durations. And so that way I don't, that, that way I can like reuse the water Oh, okay. Okay. Without having to set another like smart, pot to boil. Smart. Okay. Yeah. That's a good sell. I don't know. I'm super, super into it. I think this would serve, this would serve you quite well. Okay. All right. The other thing I don't have that people swear by is a fish spatula. Oh, you don't? No. I don't know why. Oh, I, I have just, two of those. I have, I have so many those. other spatulas. I've just been like, do I really need to get a fish spatula? Wow. You do. I mean, I have two, Claire. This, yeah, no, I feel very strongly about them. I don't use other spatulas. I only use a fish spatula. I mean, the thing is, I also cook fish quite a lot and it would be nice for separating the fish from the skin. Yeah, there's that, but it's also just a better shape. Yeah. It's like that long shape. It's metal, it's sturdy. Well, I have a lot of metal sturdy things that are shaped like that. They just don't have the slots in them. They're just like not as like delicate, I guess. I'll Listen, I'll try it. 
I'll make the investment. I'll report I'm trying back. to think of like what the right way to sell it to you is. And I, and I think I don't really have an answer, but it's like what I use for fried eggs. It's yeah. Cause I don't want to like scoop up the oil. I just want to scoop up the egg. Right. Yeah. I, I want the slots for draining. I have this without the slots. So I'll try yeah. it. Speaking of food and embarrassing confessions around food, like the fact that I don't have a fish spatula. I don't know if that's embarrassing, but you can feel shame over anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the permission. <laughs> Um, I mean, do you want to like bring this back to an embarrassing topic that started it all, which was Whole30? Yes, yes. I don't see why we wouldn't. Which like as listeners of this podcast know, I was embarrassed to be doing. I was embarrassed to admit I was doing. And then when Erica was like, have you found any good recipes via Whole30? I was like, yes, but they're all embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Because they were like, they were like, really cringy names of blogs, really honestly cringy ingredients in some cases. Totally, totally, um, totally. And what were, some, what were the cringiest ingredients? I mean, for some reason, <sighs> I want to hear what, what you feel like is embarrassing ingredient-wise. I'll just tell you the most embarrassing recipe, period. Please. It was a buffalo chicken chowder that used cashew cream instead of like actual dairy. And honestly, Erica, I've made it like two or three times. It's so good. But it, and it also called itself ranch, which like, it's not actually ranch. And I think one, like one, I was embarrassed by trying to recreate something non-Whole30 approved to be Whole30 approved. Like in general, I'm just like, just eat healthy. You don't need like, or just don't eat healthy, but don't try to fake it. So that was embarrassing. Don't make tofu to buffalo chicken tenders. Exactly. Um, okay. And, you know, the name of the blog was like Gina's Whole30 Life or something like that, which like, I don't know. I don't think your life should be Whole30. Um, and I, I don't mean, think- at least you, it wasn't like skinny paleo mommy or something, which is what I- There was that too. Yeah. And those all, are the ones where I'm like, I don't know why I'm here, but here I am. <laughs> And they're all in cursive. It, it's like, it's, it's not my aesthetic. They all use like a yeah. handwriting font and have a little icon with it, like a whisk or something. And to be clear, many of these very embarrassing Whole30 recipes were very good. And I like- That's the thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> totally, totally. Totally. No, I just, it is really interesting to me, the like blogs, media sites, whatever that we take pride in sharing from and those that we feel shame around and how that varies by people and like what about them is shameful. And in so many cases, I can't articulate it. And like, sometimes it's like, well, it's the brand and like the fact that they say skinny in the title. Well, and sometimes it's us being snobby elitist bitches. Like, you know, it's just pure snobbery. And which was why I was like nervous to talk about this at all because yes, it's just like, but I don't know, people listening- But I also feel everybody feels like different. People feel like some of the content and whatever they consume, they feel pride in and others, they feel like it's not even guilty pleasure. It's like, it's just like, I know this isn't like cool or aspirational (laughs) or like whatever, because it's this website called like, get it girl media. And like the fonts are hot pink. (laughs) And that's where I'm reading this Priyanka Chopra story or whatever. One other thing we wanted to talk about, Mm -hmm. breakfast and the expectation we have put on breakfast in this time. Do you feel this way? Because I feel like my breakfast has to be so delightful. I feel like my breakfast is responsible for setting my entire day on the right track. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like less for me about fun (laughs) than it is about like 
this is the tone. Like, what are we bringing to this? Meal? I couldn't agree more. And I have a few times found myself feeling kind of met about breakfast and then decided to just like eat something else, even though I'm not hungry. Cause I'm like, I've got to get my kicks somewhere. <laughs> I got to, got to restart. Got to like do a hard reboot of this morning. And that was never the case for me. I mean, for years, I only had green smoothies and I was fine with it. And I didn't think that they were delicious. I was just like, this is like an efficient and like nutritious breakfast that is I can feel good about. And now I'm like, no, it needs to be exciting. And I think it started with just the fact that I didn't have to leave the house. And so it was like, oh, yeah. I can luxuriate in this a little bit. And it's like, is I, I mean, I can remember so well the breakfasts from the early days of being like, I guess that I'm going to be in the house all day and I'm going to like take a little bit more time with my breakfast and try to really enjoy it because there's nothing to enjoy right now. And And then I think it also became this thing where it was like now in my life, and this isn't like a pandemic specific problem, but it's because I don't have to leave the house. It is one of the few meals that I can actually really make last and enjoy because lunch I'm always rushing through because it's the middle of the work day. Dinner is just a race towards Cam's bedtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like an antsy toddler. So breakfast, I am like, I'm going to make this last. I'm going to make it good. And I, it's got to be exciting. And it, it's also the thing where I'm like, if we don't have the ingredients for it, I'm going to freak out for like what I want. What are you, what have you been wanting? I've had a lot of different phases in quarantine. And I would say it started, quarantine started with an utterly absurd egg sandwich that like looking back, I'm like, how much time was I spending doing this? Yeah, but that was March, April, 2020. <laughs> so it was the Mesta Maca bread, which you and I both like, which also was nice because that was always the only bread that was left on supermarket shelves at that point. Like you could always get it when everything else was sold out. Um, it's like a hearty German dense bread. And then like I would- long. Yeah. yeah. I would do super custardy eggs. Like this, like put it on like the slow, <laughs> lowest, slowest flame. And it was basically just egg pudding. Speaking of luxuriating. <laughs> yeah. Like it was egg pudding. It took 10, like 10 minutes at least to cook one egg. And then I would eat that with Marmite, and like a very sharp cheddar and uh, it had to be butter lettuce. And like the butter lettuce was a really important part of it. And it had to be that Gotham Greens butter lettuce. And it was messy and it was ridiculous. And then I moved on to a a concoction of your devising that was delicious, Mm. which was Mestamaka bread with Marmite and just plain yogurt, which is Greek yogurt. Really delicious. Incredibly satisfying. I haven't had that in a while. I need to go back to that. I need really one. Good. Almost out of mom, right? Okay. Okay. This is helpful. Then I like had this like rice cake renaissance in my life where I rediscovered rice cakes and I was doing rice cakes smeared with peanut butter and topped with like either berries or apple slices or both. Um, mm. And then that transitioned into apple slices topped with peanut butter, topped with berries. And then courtesy of Whole30, I got really into coconut yogurt, Coco June specifically, I don't think I'll ever go back to regular yogurt. It's so delicious. And I eat that with chopped up pecans and fruit. And I've been on that kick for a while now. It's so good. Like chopped up pecans, I feel like I've really been sleeping on. Better than granola for me. Yeah. I don't have those in my house and probably should. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the big things is that I've been really all about a hot breakfast, Mm. like seasonlessly. I'm like, I need like a hot meal. Yeah. That does feel like a great way to start your day. It really, I don't know. It's just like one of the things we had this morning. In fact, I've been making a lot of stovetop oatmeal, which I never really mm. made before. I always made like overnight oats. Yeah. But 
you know, stovetop oatmeal with dried cherries. Dried cherries have been the thing where I'm like, why don't we have these all the time? Yeah, I don't yeah. understand. And so like I put them in the bottom of the oatmeal bowls mm-hmm. and then put the oatmeal on top. So oh, you they... don't cook them with the oatmeal? Uh-uh. Because uh-uh. oh. I don't want them to get all the way cooked. I just want them like you, kind you of- You want them kind of dry. Squished and, and okay. heated through. Okay. Yeah. I want like the in-between. Okay. Um, okay. The in-between. Interesting. And then I revived something that I used to make pretty regularly- you whisk some eggs um, and then you pour like the equivalent of like, I don't know, half an egg or an egg into the bottom of a pan. You top it with a little bit of grated parm and you throw a tortilla on top of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then when the eggs set you and like brown, you flip it and then I eat it like folded in half with hot Sounds sauce. so good. When you told me about this, I told you it reminds me of something I've been wanting to try, which is a grossy Pelosi breakfast taco recipe that's like similar to this. And it is just such a smart way to, to, to get the breakfast taco to be manageable. Yeah. And I also, I feel like in general, I've just, we've been doing like French omelets. We've been doing things that like, I don't know, require a little more short order cook, like Mm. living. Yeah. And I feel like during this time, I've been more fine with that than I would normally be like, yeah, just like being standing over the stove or doing like, okay, here's your French omelet. Now I'm making a second French omelet. Right. Um, That was never a life I was living before. Of course not. No, I think it's, it, it is one of the few, I mean, listen, there's a lot to like about working from home, including just like the privilege to be able to do it, but there's also a plenty to not like. And one of the things to like is being able to just like stretch your breakfast out a little bit and eat something ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. And I do, uh, yeah, I do feel like I've really fallen off a lunch situation that I'm excited about. I end up just eating a lot of snacks or like, you know, two scoops of leftover this because that's what we have. (laughs) Plus like a clementine plus some nuts, which is fine. It's totally fine, but it's not like a lunch to be like, well, I'm so glad to have this. Right, right. But you've got your, 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 you got your good breakfast. So that's right. Well, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. 